Welcome to Vinylize. I'm Mark Sykes. And I'm Paul McCormick. Once in a blue moon, you win a contest. Sometimes the prize is great. Other times the prize is meh. 21 years ago, I pulled concert tickets out of a beer case so I could see one of my favorite Canadian bands in an intimate venue. Besides almost being crushed in the mosh pit, it was a pretty amazing experience. The friend I took to that show repaid the free concert karma years later when his wife was gifted four tickets to see the one and only Neil Young. We were so excited to spend the night with the godfather of grunge. To our surprise, the concert was actually for a different Neil. Let's drop the needle on this week's album. Finalize and send it to me. Realize the songs that set you free. This week's pick is Neil Young and his album Harvest. It was the number one selling album of 1972, selling more than Ziggy Stardust, The Rolling Stones, Simon and Garfunkel, even Elton John. It outsold everybody. It was the album that bumped Don McLean's American Pie off the top spot. This album is critically acclaimed and there's a lot to unpack. Even though there's only 10 songs, there's a lot of stories of the hit songs, controversial songs, and maybe one or two that might leave you wondering, how did that even make it to release? Like I mentioned, there's 10 songs. There's a couple hits you'll probably recognize right off the top. Heart of Gold and Old Man. This album was released on February 14, 1972. The full runtime is 37 minutes and 27 seconds. The label that released it was Reprise Records. The producers on this album were Neil Young, Elliot Mazur, Henry Louis, and Jack Nitsche. There's a ton of guests on this album as well. Um, people like David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash, Linda Ronstadt, even James Taylor. So there's a lot to get into here, Mark. Um, I want to hear from you. Why did you choose this album? If Vinylize was a tennis match, you served Tom Petty full moon fever last week, and I return <laughs> Neil Young <laughs> Harvest. But to be honest, I actually thought this album was called Harvest Moon. So, so that did was going I. the moon theme. I, I know. I so thought I we were going made from, a honey boo-boo. <laughs> I thought we were going from full moon fever to harvest moon. I looked it up and I'm like, wait a sec. It means just harvest. Yeah. I talked to my buddy uh, today. I was like, oh, we're doing harvest. He, he's like, harvest moon. I'm like, actually, this album is actually only called harvest, but there's an orange circle behind the font on the front which makes you think harvest moon now years later 1992 neil young actually releases an album called harvest moon so no wonder i'm confused but to be honest paul the reason why i picked this album is to answer back to you i've never given neil young enough of my ear time or respect i know his hits i know his collaborations but i want to dig deep into his albums i know he's the grandfather of grunge i needed to know more. He's a great writer. His lyrics are unbelievable. And his music can be, I don't know, dirty at times, but dirty good. If if you could talk about music in that way, I almost <laughs> need a bath sometimes after I hear some of that distortion. Um, he's just such a unique uh, singer too. Who, you're, he's hard to sing. You know, if you, if you're at a camp, uh, campfire or playing a, you know, um, 
a, a set and you're like, I'm going to throw a Neil Young song. You got to have the right voice mm-hmm. for Neil Young. If not, you sound like a cat on a hot tin roof. So that's why I picked Neil Young Harvest, not Harvest Moon. <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that. Um, I listened to a podcast and there was four hosts on it. Three of them listened to Harvest and the other guy got it wrong and he listened to Harvest Moon. So he had like Ooh. nothing to contribute. I know, right? That's why I'm always <laughs> glad that we send each other the album artwork week to week. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, vinylized listeners, Paul and I don't live in the same city. So we're doing this all over technology. Yeah. And one of the things is we have to send each other the artwork. Well, do you want to talk about the artwork for a second while yeah. we're on that? Yeah. So it's like a tan cover. Uh, it's got some interesting writing in terms of the font and it says, you know, uh, harvest Neil Young, and then behind it, there's like an orange circle. I think that's a Harvest Moon. I don't know if I'm wrong, but I really do. Right. Um, and you know what? I think what you see, it's a very simple cover, but it kind of sets the stage for what you're about to listen to. It's going to be very folky, very country. Uh, I think I don't want to devalue the songs by saying that they're simple um, because they're not necessarily simple, but they are folky. You know, so often it's like three or four chords um, and you're going to get a lot of the country vibes from it. You're going to hear some harmonica, steel guitar, banjo. Yeah. It's interesting. He wanted the um, the sleeve of the record to actually biodegrade. So as soon as you opened it, it would start to like deteriorate till maybe it didn't exist anymore. But the, the record label was like, no, no, no. We're going to have people bringing <laughs> back these records. Like if when they're transporting to the record store, like the seal gets broken, people are not going to buy it. It was just bad news bears. Now we did a little bit of astronomy last week. Mm-hmm. So if the album is actually Harvest Moon, which it's not, it's just Harvest. Do you know what a Harvest Moon is, Paul? Okay. Um, I know a Harvest Moon is big and orange. Yes. And I don't know when it happens, if it's only during the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I know. So it's the moon uh, seen closest to the autumn equinox. September can have two moons because of the length. Uh, so a rare harvest moon in October can also happen. But just because we've been speaking about moons so much, uh, do you know what the most rare moon is to ever see, or pretty much? is It's called a super blue blood moon. Whoa. That's a super rare moon. And vinylized listeners, you can check that out. It's called Super Blue Blood Moon. It has nothing to do with the harvest moon. But, you know, when you're looking into stuff, it's always fun to dig just a little bit deeper. Why do you think the album's just called Harvest, Paul? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't. I heard that he kind of gave up um, or he didn't give up, but he he stopped making songs between April and September. And it was during that period that he's kind of said, I've got nothing left to produce. So Ooh. it's time to harvest all of this and put it out there. Oh, that is an amazing idea. Okay, so I looked into what a harvest is. So harvest is like, it's the most labor intensive activity during the growing season. Mm-hmm. It's when you're like storing crops in a silo. Um, so maybe his harvest is like you said, like collecting stories, collecting love, collecting songs, and then harvesting them. Mm-hmm. But when you're harvesting uh, those things, you you can also reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. So maybe his fame um, and everything that's come before he moves to the ranch and he starts writing this album um, is tainting some of his songwriting, maybe making it more difficult, maybe making it easy, but maybe he reaps what he sows in terms of his fame and his fortune. 
And speaking of his fame and fortune leading up to this, I was wondering if for the listeners, we could briefly talk about um, his rise to fame because this wasn't his first album. He had successes before this with Buffalo Springfield, uh, Crazy Horse, um, Stills, Nash, and Young. Sorry, Crosby, Mm -hmm. Stills, and Nash. Oh, you're messing it up this week. Oh, good. It's not just me. <laughs> I wonder if anybody else out there messes it up as well. Um, no, nobody just does. Just does. But can we give a can we give like a brief overview for people just to 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 lay the the, the framework for what we're about to get into? How yeah. he made it to where he is on this album? Yeah. So he he was actually uh, he's born in Canada. He lived in Toronto. Then I think he moved to Winnipeg, which he started to play like solo shows, and then his band dismantled at one point they sold all the equipment and then him and a buddy uh sold all the equipment and bought a pickup no bought a hearst bought a hearst Mm -hmm. uh and then they drove down to la and then you know somewhere in that music scene he he meets or creates buffalo springfield right 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 okay and i think through this musical journey that he's going on it brings him back out to nashville right through crosby stills and nash Mm -hmm. um these guys are very big in the Nashville music scene. And I think he gets a spot on the Johnny Cash show. Johnny Cash had like a, a late night show, I guess. And it was him, um, Linda Ronstadt, and James Taylor as guests. So part of this story for this album revolves around this show where um, the producer, Elliot Mazur, was going to host a dinner party. He says, you know what? I'm also going to have Neil Young there. I'm going to have um, Linda Ronstadt. I'm going to have James Taylor and on and on and on. So there's like 50 guests at this dinner party. And this is where Neil Young kind of works his magic saying, hey, I've been working on these songs. If you got a recording studio, Elliot Mazur, why don't I just go there like after this thing and like, let's just record some music. And Elliot Mazur said, sure, um, we're going to need a guitarist, um, we're going to need a bass player, and we're going to need a drummer, right? So he found Jack Nietzsche, who plays piano, Ben Keith on steel guitar, Kenny Buttry, who's an amazing drummer. I never knew this guy's name, but when I vinylized, I found that he was pro at 11 years old. He was touring with Chet Atkins at age 14. He worked with Elvis and Bob Dylan. Like, this drummer's just at this party and says, yeah, let's, let's record something after this. And last but not least, Tim Drummond. They needed a bass player and they literally walked out to the street and they saw him walking down the street and said, hey, we're going to just head over to um, Mazur's recording studio. You want to join? Just jam for a bit. See what we do. Um, Amazing story of how this group came together. They were nicknamed the Stray Gators. So when you hear uh, the Stray Gators are with Neil Young, that's who it's consisting of. It's Jack on piano, Ben on steel guitar, Tim on bass, and Kenny on the drums. Um, you know, they they go to Elliot Mazur's house, which was an old Victorian house, and he transformed that into Quadraphonic Studio. I don't know if you want to get into the recording of his equipment and all that, Mark. Um, would you like to talk about that or just keep going? I just love that it's like just it's like fate, right? They play the show, you know, he gets tempted with the recording equipment. He's got all these songs that he wants to lay down. It's just like mm-hmm. everything just happens to roll together. There's some musicians that we can just have play on it. 
And then, yeah, like James Taylor's on the album. Like when we talk about those songs, we're going to say, this is the song with James Taylor. That's um, right. It's just an amazing. And, and the album initially was going to be like a live album, but then he records these songs here. He records songs back at his own ranch. There's a live song on the album. There's mm -hmm. two songs that are recorded with a symphony. Paul, I think we need to get into the meat and potatoes of this album, like right now, before Let's... the stew gets cold. <laughs> <laughs> let's serve it up, buddy. <laughs> All right, so let's start. So it's 37 minutes long. It mm -hmm. starts with Out on the Weekend. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great, calm start. Love the drums, the guitar, and the riff. And you know me, if there's a great harmonica, I'm into the song. You and that's exactly yeah. what this song has. Harmonica on the intro, the bridge, and the extra. Yeah. Um, a lot of the songs are like love in different stripes. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a this is a love song. Um, I love his A-B pattern and how he keeps rhyming the word up. And this really highlights how great of a lyricist he is. You know, and he says, I think I'm going to pack it in and buy a pickup take it down to LA. And so this kind of is like him telling his story, although it wasn't a pickup truck when he went to LA, it was a hearse, but mm -hmm. maybe he's buying the pickup truck to go to the ranch, you know, who knows? Mm. Yeah. So I really like this song. I think it's, it's really great. Um, and I, I like the idea of him talking about, um, that on the weekends, he's going to go make his money. He's like a lone, yeah. he's a lonely boy, but on the weekends he goes and he does his thing to make his money so he can, you know, live on this ranch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's immediately folky and it's that dampened oh. kick drum. You know that you, you notice the drum on this one. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't smash you in the face. It's very dampened. Um, and the harmonica is there, you know, Ben Keith on steel guitar, adding that country feel. It makes it sound really simple, but it's also a relaxing song. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. Even though it sounds sad, even Neil Young says it, it's a song about joy. And love. This song gets yeah. me really excited. So in the intro, I talked about getting concert tickets for Neil Young through mm -hmm. a friend. And we were going to go. And then we found out it was actually Neil Diamond. <laughs> and my wife still talks about it. She's like, it was a, it was a sit-down concert. We were sitting down. Now, don't get me wrong. Neil Diamond's awesome. Did I know yeah. his catalog? Not really. <laughs> Do I know it now? For sure. There's tons of earworms. Did we want Neil Young? Of course we did. Um, and if it was going to be songs like this, that would have been so exciting. Right? Okay, so for the next song is Harvest. It's the title track of the album. Um, so I did some vinylizing, and I, I thought I'm going to switch it up on this one. Instead of getting into how the song sounds and all that stuff, I'm going to give you three truths and a lie about Ooh, this song. What? So, okay. so I'm going to give you four facts. Three are a truth. One is a lie. Okay, you ready? Yes. So the first one is that Neil Young believes that Harvest is one of his best songs ever and the best thing on this album. The second one is that this song's story was inspired by his girlfriend, Harry Snodgrass and her life growing up with her mother. And one day they were tripping on acid and, and Neil kept asking Carrie about her mother. And he was asking her about her mother because she was an alcoholic and Carrie's mother would actually fake suicide attempts what? To, ga to gauge the love that her kids had for her. What? The third one, is this a truth or a lie? Neil Young actually named a horse Thraves after rearranging the words harvest. What? And the last one, 
is unlike a lot of the songs on Harvest that required a lot of mixing, this released version is a live two-track mix. Oh my goodness, you're killing me. I gotta say that it's the second. The story the second about the mother? Yeah, is the lie. Is the lie. The lie is actually the horse with the letters oh, arranged from horse. Yeah, yeah, I made, I made that on. up. I made that up. Um, I couldn't believe that Neil Young thinks that this is the, one of his best songs ever and the best song on Harvest. Wow. That is, but it's true. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, it is a great song. I love that there's characters in the song. There's the narrator, the mom, and the daughter. And, you know, if we go along that idea of like Harvest is like harvesting maybe love there's this idea of like a promise of a man you know like is she missing a father figure in this song um is is the mom missing a husband and then he's like gonna be you know he's gonna be harvested as the man who like fills in those shoes but you know he he can't and he says you know will i see you give more than i can take will i only harvest some Hmm. yeah so like you know this person is um going to take more than they can they they should and then he but he's only going to harvest some 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 little bits of, of this relationship not the whole relationship almost like he's got a parachute ready to go like yeah. okay i'm into this relationship but so he can like harm you know uh get out of there like you know if, you, if you're a, a parent of an adopted child you you, you want to take over that father role right and he's mm-hmm. kind of saying that he's not going to do that that's that's kind of harsh i don't know if that's what the song's about they, they were tripping on acid, man. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, th- this is a pretty deep song. I, I like yeah. that it's a, a slow country lullaby and the lyrics, you know, confuse me. So I, I like it. And isn't Neil Young fantastic for that? The lyrics, like sometimes he oh. writes things and you don't know what they mean. Yeah. But it, it kind of reminds me sort of a tragically hip where they do that as well. And, and many artists do. It's up to interpretation of the listener to figure out what they draw from that yeah i i like this imagery that did she wake you up to tell you that it was only a change of plan like what was the plan right and and is it you know the the family dynamic is that they're leaving mm-hmm. you know and then he says like dream up dream up let me fill, let me your, fill cup. your cup i, I love, love that love amazing i, I kept yeah. humming that throughout the week you know yeah just it sticks with you what did you think about the next song mark uh, this is what I like to entitle Skipper. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a Skipper song. And I don't know if this song would be released nowadays. Uh, a man needs a maid. Uh, maybe he's not actually talking about someone who's cleaning his house. Maybe he's talking more of like a maid Marion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it just doesn't land in nowadays time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written about Carrie, right? Yes. The, 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 the movie star. And she was in a movie called Diary of a, a Mad Housewife, and she was yeah. nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, and I think at the root of the song, he's just talking about that um, he's not willing to go 100% into a relationship, maybe because he's afraid of getting hurt, or maybe the women that he's met while being famous are not truthful to him. So mm-hmm. he just wants you know, someone to cook a meal, clean the house and and go away he needs a housekeeper it, it a man needs a housekeeper I, it doesn't matter the yeah. gender <laughs> i'm not huh? sure i think um you know they had a, a son named ezekiel and he had cerebral palsy and carrie right. looked after him quite a bit we know that neil young had a, a back injury and i think that was actually from polio he had a couple oh. of fu- he had some fused discs 
So I think he's kind of writing it from the perspective that you need a woman to that will help take care of you. Not because you're incapable, but you do need that that teammate, that equal, like you said, that made Marion to Robin Hood. Um, so maybe yeah. the title is a person needs a significant other. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what the song doesn't need is an orchestra. Like it, 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 it can work. Like I, I thought like it can work. Like use your illusion one, right? Like live and let die or November rain. Right. right, right. It, okay. It works, but oh man, not on this one. That's a strikeout, you know? It's interesting. He says, to give a love, you've got to live a love. Mm -hmm. I like that. You've got to live with the person and, and be fully involved in that relationship. And I feel like when he says that, he's not 100% ready to, to give a love and live a love. Mm. And he ends up leaving her or she leaves him. This relationship doesn't end up panning out, right? So, yeah. you know, I think they were excited by um, the initial spark of love and not... Uh, you know, the lifetime of love. Let's but on, move to, oh yeah. Sorry, sorry, just on that note though, because you're right. A lot of the songs are written about Carrie on this album. They're right. either inspired by her or kind of written for her. What I like about Neil on this record though, is that there are other themes. It's not like mm -hmm. Amy Winehouse just talking about one theme all the way across. Like, you know, we get out on the weekend and we get um, Alabama yep. and yep. other songs that we're going to yep. talk about in a little yep. bit. Um, it's interesting the placement of heart of gold right afterwards. So he's talking about like, you know, not fully giving himself into a relationship in a man needs a maid. Mm -hmm. And then now he's searching for a heart of gold. You mm -hmm. know, he wants to be a kind person. Um, sincere kindness and generosity is what a heart of gold would be. Right. I didn't listen to the lyrics too, too much on this because I kind of okay. dove into, um, the recording aspect of it. Um, I, I just, I love listening to this song. It's one of the first ones I ever learned how to play on guitar. So for me, um, I don't know. I just, I just focused on not necessarily the meaning of the lyrics, but everything else. That makes sense. Yep. And this is where Linda and James, uh, Linda Ronstadt yeah. and James Taylor are in the last, like it's the last chorus. You can hear them, but I think James Taylor is playing banjo on the whole song. So yeah, he's playing banjo. It's the first song that they recorded in Nashville. So when we're talking about the Quadraphonic studio after yeah. that dinner party, well, Neil Young had already been playing this song live um, right. in concerts on piano. So he already had it rehearsed. He was able to tell these session musicians, okay, here's what I want you to do. They went in and by the second take, they had it. It, it was just, you know, a, a little bit of polishing Maybe. later on, but they nailed it basically on the first or second take you're right the backup vocals are linda ronstadt and james taylor mark listen for that the i think it's like a harmonics on a guitar where you're not necessarily press, pressing down a string over the fret you're mm. you're literally just touching the string um it's in this song and it happens like on the third or fourth beat but once you listen to this chime that i'm talking about you won't stop hearing it and i mm. i love it it it's just something special in a song that you don't really hear too much of, and it really works. And you want to treat yourself to a headphone listen of this song, if not the whole album, because you hear things in the right channel, the left channel, and mm -hmm. they pan across, mm -hmm. um, which is really, really interesting. And actually, during the mixing of this album, so if you've ever mixed an album before, it's a really fun experience. So I mixed an album, we stayed up all night, and you're talking, and you're tinkering, and you're like... Oh, what about this? What about that? Put that over here. We need more drum. We need more cowbell. Um, 
But, you know, so they actually mixed it on his ranch, okay? And they put one of the channels through a speaker in the barn and one of the speakers in the house. And then they sat either in between or they were out on the lake or something like that. And so when they were listening to it, they would shout out like, we need more barn, which would mean like they want more stuff coming out of, of the channel coming out of the barn. Right. So how funny is that as a little like side note to mixing an album? Like, uh, what, what do you want to do with this song? We're going to need more barn. Right. <laughs> and they're not talking about animals. They're just talking about that channel. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're, you're right. Um, I think it was David Crosby that was with him when he did that. And, and on his ranch, like you said, they had this lake. Right. And right. David Crosby gets into the rowboat thinking, you know, he's going to listen to a tape recorder in the boat because it's a little quieter out on the lake. But <laughs> no, Neil Young's, you're right. He's shouting out to uh, Elliot Mazur, you know, we need more barn, crank the left more. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, man. So definitely treat yourself to a, um, a really great listen to what's happening in all the channels. I just love the line, I'm a miner. I've been a miner for a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. You know, and mining is a really difficult and hard job so if you're mining to be kind and sincere um you got to check that and Mm -hmm. and you know he he writes this when he's in his 20s right and he's saying that his time is running out Mm -hmm. like he's worried he's going to be solidified into his personality which is not a heart of gold but he's mining for it he's looking for it i think he was a real forward thinker a very mature person for you know i think he's writing these when he's 22 23 years old Yes. recording all of this i think when he was 24 so think about the the content and we're going to get to alabama that's a little political um mm-hmm. but man yeah there's a lot of great writing on this album for sure song number five is are you ready for the country mm-hmm. and i didn't know this song before this week this is my favorite new song from this album i love the way it starts with the jam session and the laughter mm-hmm. the music comes in and it's just a fun little romp Mm-hmm. Rompy romp. 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 Yeah. It's just a fun song. We're left in and writing in this song, eh? Like a lot of people had issues with words in this song. So lefting and writing. And they're like, okay, what does that mean? What does he mean right. by that? I, I don't know. It meant to me fighting, like left and oh. right. Okay. Right. Uh people also had took up issue with uh, I met a preacher man. He said right. God was on my side, and then I met um the hangman the hangman and he led me to a noose or something right 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 i I don't i don't understand why people got so caught up with this like this is neil young 101 he's gonna send Um, out lyrics that don't necessarily mean a lot of sense to everybody in general but to one person or the other it means something yeah you know he's saying one of the lyrics is you got to tell your story boy before it's time to go Right. So he's telling his his tales of love and, you know, how he sees the world at that time. Are you ready for the country, though? I think he's trying to say, like, are you ready for a simpler life? Mm -hmm. Not the fame. Get out of the get get out to the country, buy a ranch, chill out. um, Just quieter times. Let's go out there and have a romp and write a fun song like this. Um, And and that's what that this song kind of means for me. And and. You've, you've got to do these things with your life before you run out of time. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the country, Paul? I, I like, that's Neil Young as well, right? He's very simple. He doesn't care about writing a smash hit like uh, Heart of Gold. Um, and, in, and even in the liner notes in, in his 1977 album, Decade, he specifically said, like, Heart of Gold put me in the middle of the road. Traveling there soon became a bore, so I headed for the ditch. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know if it's Defiance or what, but they called it the Ditch Trilogy because his next three albums were terrible. Time Fades yeah. Away, Tonight's Tonight, and On the Beach. Like He's like, <laughs> screw it. I think he had he got sued by his own record label, Geffen, for making a bad record. Wow. You know, So he does his own thing. He puts out what he likes. Right. And if other people don't like it, too bad. And those those records have now people have looked back on them now and said they're maybe not as bad as you know people thought they were when they were released. I mm-hmm. you know it's hard bringing an album out after such a great album too, right? Mm-hmm. Like people expect mm-hmm. Harvest Two, you know, and those albums were not Harvest Two. Yeah. Harvest Two, more Harvest. So <laughs> you mentioned um, his ranch, uh, Broken yes. Arrow Ranch. Our next song, Old Man, is kind of written about that. Right. And and when he got to his ranch, there was an old man named Luis Avia who looked mm-hmm. after the ranch. I mean, look at him more as like a foreman, right? Because I don't know how big this ranch was. I think it was like 350 million hectares. It was huge. More right. than Neil could look after himself. So you actually have somebody there to do all the work, the, the herding. And Luis took him in a Jeep and they went for a drive. And Avila asks Neil Young, he says, so like, how does a young man like you have enough money to buy a place like this? Right. And he looks over at Lewis. He says, I'm just lucky, Lewis. I'm just real lucky. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's the simplicity again, but it's also the inspiration for writing Old Man. Uh, he, he's really deep when he writes this song, too. You know, it's like a perspective on love mm-hmm. and youth. But... I almost feel like the narrator changes from him talking to the old man to the old man talking to him in the second verse. And it's, it's just, it's just really interesting because, you know, you know, on other songs, he's talking about how he can't give himself fully to love. And then he sees, you know, this, this farmhand with his wife and they're in such a beautiful relationship. And maybe there's a bit of envy there, you know? Hey, you know what? What? Time to glossarize. Oh, it's time for the glossary. It's time to glossarize. Here's a new word for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, banjitar. Do you know what the heck a banjitar is? What is a banjitar? It's a I don't know. Banjo guitar. Honestly, it's a six-string standard tuning on a on a banjo. And this is what James Taylor plays on this track. So when you hear that, um it, it sounds like a banjo, but it's actually got six strings. Um, throughout the whole song. I thought that was really cool. And the more I looked into it, a ton of artists do it. Um, Ed Robertson for Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, loads and loads of artists have used the banjitar before. Um, thought it was kind of cool. There you go. Awesome. I just love the line that where you know he lives in this paradise alone that makes him think of two. It's just kind of heartbreaking that he's got this beautiful place to live, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have someone to share it with. Or he doesn't trust to share it with somebody. Well, talking about trust, Mark, um, you know, he had these, Neil Young had these great session musicians in with him, like making this album. So they know their stuff. I mentioned Kenny Buttry earlier. That's the guy that was pro at age 11, toured at age 14 with with Chet Atkins. So he's drumming on this. And Neil Young didn't like his drumming. He said, you're using too much hi-hat. And I guess frustrations kind of arose to the point where Kenny Butchery was told he can only use his left hand to play sit on your right hand yeah no so for this track Kenny's actually sitting on his right hand while he's playing the drums with his left that's amazing 
And this is also recorded in that session where Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor are there. And they end up being on this song, too. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Let's move to um, song number seven, uh, which is There's a World. Mm -hmm. This is the other song, which I title Skipper. Um, (laughs) You know, you want to kind of maybe skip this song. Um, But it's interesting because it starts with that, like, old, old school movie drum. Eh? Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Um, you know, Rolling Stone named this as one of the worst songs by best artists. They described, <laughs> they described it as a chocolate covered cheeseburger, oh. <laughs> which, which makes sense, right? It's two good things, but it just doesn't work together. Um, I, I think it's a product of when somebody has too much money and you make bad decisions. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know you can afford a symphony in an orchestra. Just, just don't. <laughs> we, I was listening to this album down in the home theater with my kids this week while they were playing, and this song came on, and my daughter, who's three, goes, "Oh, daddy, someone's the movie's playing," <laughs> and I was like, "That is too funny," because, um, the producer on this song, what's his name? Jack uh, Nietzsche. Yeah, Jack Nietzsche. So he actually ends up uh, doing movie scores. So he makes a movie score for um, The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He actually ends up winning an Academy Award for the song Up Where We Belong, which he co-wrote in, uh, I think, 1983. Isn't that crazy? So no wonder uh, he's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we got to make these songs sound like movies. I don't don't like this song. Uh, I need to skip this song. If I only had this on record, I'd be really frustrated because I'd always have to like lift the arm over this song. And honestly, I think even Neil Young admitted that too later on in one of his uh, biographies saying, I kind of overdid that one. There's a harp transition in this song. A harp, <laughs> a harp transition. Uh, I didn't hear it. You know why? Because I skipped it. <laughs> skipper. Skipper. All right. If you it's skip it, if you skip it, you land on Alabama. That's right. And uh, vinylized listeners, you're only allowed to skip so much when you're vinylizing, just so you know. So when we say skipper, that's like, that's a pretty, mm-hmm. uh, pretty big deal. Okay, Al- Alabama, song number eight. Whew, let's get political. All right. Well, he wrote Southern Man on his previous album, and Alabama yes. follows that up by talking about the history you know, of the socially ingrained racism of the South, the social change, civil rights. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what this song's about. Yeah. He also wrote Ohio with uh, mm-hmm. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. That's and the himself. band. And himself. And yeah. it's, it's interesting that um, Crosby and Stills actually end up on this song with background vocals. And it actually kind of sounds like a CSNY song a little bit, right? So you don't need to be a detective, though, to know that oh. Leonard Skinner wrote Sweet Home Alabama. Right. In, yes. in response to this, right? The second we verse, Neil Young sing about her. Yeah, we heard old Neil put her down. Yeah, oh, we hope Neil Young will remember that a southern man don't need him around anyhow. Yeah, now that sounds like um, hate speech where they, you know, they're gonna like roll up on each other, but it's actually said that they actually really admire and respect each other and they actually yep. end up wearing each other's like band clothes yes when i've seen i seen that yeah it's crazy and you know in oh. in a 2012 autobiography um called waging heavy peace okay i i'm gonna quote neil young here he says my own song alabama richly deserved the shot leonard skinner gave me with their mm-hmm. great record i don't like my words when i listen to it they're accusatory and condescending not fully thought out, 
and too easy to be misconstrued. Interesting. Interesting. But it's interesting because Neil gives a voice to some pretty serious topics when he writes songs like this. And it's really important, you know, when he writes uh, Southern Man and Ohio and Alabama. Mm-hmm. And maybe it does make people stop and think about the past and how we can change the future. And can Alabama do that, right? Well, I think that's his point, though, is he's not, he's saying, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush. If you live right. in Alabama, it doesn't mean that you fall into this category. Right. Right. So you know which famous book is written about Alabama that you read in school? Uh, the Mock- Mockingbird? Yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't published even get the 19- darn title right. <laughs> but it's published in 1960, uh, but it's set in like a 1936 setting, you know. And when I hear Neil Young talking about the past, you know, it's, you know, probably yeah. that those times or mm-hmm. like even earlier um, it's interesting he picks the car a Cadillac to talk about because if you drive a Cadillac, you, you're you probably a made person or you're very mm-hmm. successful, mm-hmm. but it's sad that you've maybe bought that Cadillac because you've had, you know, um, people, slaves, you mm-hmm. know, making mm-hmm. making your bread, which is um, mm-hmm. really sad. But I like the idea that he talks about that the, 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 the tires of this car, one wheel is in the ditch and the other one is on a track, hopefully leading to a better place. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe he's talking about railway tracks, which were also built by slaves. So Hmm. really the car's going nowhere because it's actually um, Hmm. being, you know, it's in a ditch and it's on a railway track built on blood. The needle and the damage done is the next one. Um, Song number nine. Song number nine. Song number nine. I really like this song. It's a live song. It's a short song too. It's only like two minutes long. The shortest song on the album, sir. (laughs) Number nine. Um, so this is, to me, it's about his bandmates and people that he's seen in the music scene, uh, up until he writes this song that have, have passed away from drug use, specifically heroin, hence the name needle. Um, and as well, he had a, a a colleague, Danny Witten, who played guitar for him in crazy horse, Danny Witten. There's kind of a sad story here and it's about Neil Young giving, Danny $50 for rehab because Danny wasn't able to cut it during the studio sessions. He wasn't healthy enough to hold it down and play guitar. And unfortunately, Neil had to let him go and say, you know what? Get better. When you get better, come back. I'll always have you. But here's 50 bucks. Get on the plane. Get into rehab. What actually ended up happening was that very night, Danny flew back home. He took um, Valium and alcohol to try and help curb the addiction of heroin. Unfortunately, he overdosed and he died that night. And, you know, Neil Young couldn't help but feel responsible for his death for quite a long time. And eventually he came to the realization that he's not directly responsible, you know? No. He was trying to help somebody in good faith, and that's that's what happened. Um, If he didn't give him the $50, you know, Danny very well could have died anyways, you know? Yeah, it, it's sad. And I, again, he's he's taking a, a standpoint, talking about something that's very serious, uh, changing the the topics on the album and, and, and putting this in. This song ends very abruptly after like some clapping. <laughs> it's um, a funny but, one, yeah. Uh, now it's time for Keep Me Searching for a Glossary. Bye. I got another glossary. Do you know what blood milk is? 
Ooh. Um, you know blood? Oh, sorry. Milk blood. Do you know milk, what milk, milk blood is? Blood. He talks about milk blood. What? In this song. Yeah. The needle and the damage done. Do you know what milk blood is? Okay. I'm going to totally guess here. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to guess that milk blood is when you inject heroin, you get some blood that comes back into the needle, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And then so you actually keep that extra blood because it's got some heroin in it. So if you don't get your next fix, you can then inject yourself with that because uh, someone who's addicted to heroin needs a fix like every 12 to 16 hours. So if you can't get it, you keep Mm -hmm. uh, your milk blood. And that is what milk blood is. You briefly, you mentioned this was film uh, recorded live. Was that at UCLA? Yes. You know, it was on January thirtieth, nineteen seventy one. And listeners, it's now that we're going to point it out, you'll hear it. It's so abrupt. You'll hear yeah. the crowd applauding, and it just cuts right off, and it goes right into the next song. Words. Why didn't they just like? Why didn't they just fade that fade it out? out? I know. <laughs> less barn. We need less barn. <laughs> just less barn us. Um, okay. Uh, last song on the album. I think this song really does solidify him as the grandfather of grunge. This is the longest song on the album. It's a really awesome jam session. Somewhere in the middle, there's like a piano bass thing happening that I think is pure magic. And I really like this artist named Hayden, who's from Canada. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to this song, I feel like Hayden pulls some of his inspiration from Neil Young on songs like this. And there's actually a, a guitar effect, which you can hear on Hayden's album, Skyscraper, Skyscraper National Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out, Vinylized listeners, because if you like this song or this jam, uh, you know, other people have been inspired by it. Yeah, it's one of the three songs that Neil is showcasing his electrical guitar. And mm-hmm. I think it's the first song that he writes about doubts of his relationship with Carrie. Because when I listen, you know, he he says this, um, and I'm going to paraphrase here from his autobiography again, Waging Heavy Peace. No, 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 no. Read the whole thing. (laughs) But Mark, it's four pages. It'll take me forever. Um, Basically saying that, you know, Harvest starts off, the album Harvest starts off with love at the beginning, and it ends with doubts. And if if you listen to the first song out on the weekend, right, Mm. and you listen to words, you can kind of see that contrast and mark you've definitely been alluding to that throughout this whole podcast yeah uh it, that's amazing and i like this idea that it's called words but in brackets it's between the lines of age mm-hmm. which made me think that he's a young songwriter who writes these amazing songs like you know um old man and heart of gold and are you ready for the country and he says like between the lines of age so you know, maybe he's not old enough to be writing these things or people mm-hmm. say that to him, but he writes them anyway and they make him famous. So it's maybe he's also like, I got famous. I got this farm. I got all this stuff because of words that I write. You know, it sounds Between like some, the lines of my age. Well, know? it sounds like something he would say, right? Yeah. Simple and honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a really great extra song for an album. I really like this song. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about anything else uh, about the album? Uh, well, I have you, Paul. <laughs> um, no, I think that's it. I, I, I kind of covered everything I wanted to mention. Okay. I want to mention that uh, one of Neil Young's first big hits or songs that he wrote uh, was actually covered by the Guess Who. It's called Flying on the Ground is Wrong. Um, and it kind of helped him out in his career. So you might want to check that out, finalized listeners, for sure. And definitely listen to the Ditch Trilogy. 
<laughs> That's right. Time fades away. Tonight's the night and on the beach. <laughs> and remember, if you get free concert tickets, make sure you check who is actually playing the show. Uh, I picked the album. You got to pick the song for the epic playlist, Paul. What are you going to do, buddy? Um, yeah, I'm not going to pick uh, the orchestra songs, okay? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Please, I know. Please. Boom, boom. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to pick Heart of Gold and I'm going to tell you why. It's not okay. because it was the number one hit. Um, it uh, means I really love this song. It's very sentimental to me. When I first started learning how to play guitar, this is one of the first songs I learned. My guitar teacher was a bit of a hippie and um, he taught me how to do hammer-ons and that's what happens in this song. Now when I listen to this song as well, I just, I love hearing that chime that I mentioned. Um, it's a pretty chill song. It makes you feel good and I don't know. I love it. It's a great campfire song. I want to throw it on our epic playlist. I think it deserves a spot on it. I love that I learned that James Taylor is on this song. Like, when are we going to get to James Taylor on the line session? <laughs> Good old James. Uh, awesome, buddy. I love that you added that song to our epic playlist. And with another song added to our epic playlist on Spotify, this brings us to the end of the Neil Young Harvest Vinylized Session. Join us on Facebook for related videos and links. Thanks to Alex for slapping another show together. We'll talk to you next time when we pick a new album and we tempt you to vinylize.